Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. We're going to talk about the fall of Babylon. I think we need to be reminded that there is a day of reckoning in life. Uh, We all have a day of reckoning. Uh, To illustrate that, a farmer told a story one time that there was a spider living in a giant Iowa cornfield. And he was a big spider, and he spun this huge, beautiful web uh, between two cornstalks. And he got fat, eating all the bugs that came through that got caught in his web. And uh, he liked his home. He planned to stay there for the rest of of his life because he had a good thing going. Well, one day the spider caught a little bitty bug in his web. And just as the spider was about to eat that little bug, the little bug said, if you let me go, I'm going to tell you something important that will save your life. Well, the spider paused for a moment and he was amused. So he said, go ahead. And the little bug said, you better get out of this cornfield because the harvest is coming. And the spider smiled and said, what harvest are you talking about? I think you're just telling me a big story. And the little bug said, oh, no, it's true. He says, the owner of this field is coming to harvest it soon. Nobody knows when, it can, when it's going to happen, but I can assure you it is going to happen. All the stalks will be knocked down and the corn will be gathered up, and you'll be killed by those giant machines that are coming. And the spider said, I don't believe in a harvest. I don't believe in giant machines. I don't believe they'll knock down corn. And the little bug said, well, this field belongs to the owner who planted it, and the harvest is coming soon. And the little spider, or the spider grinned and said to the little bug, I don't believe you, and he ate him for lunch. Well, a few days later, the spider was laughing about the story the little bug had told him, lounging in his big web he thought to himself a harvest what a silly idea i've lived here all of my life and nothing's ever bothered me i've been here since these stalks were just a few inches off the ground i'll be here the rest of my life nothing is going to change in this field life is good i got it made in the shade and then the next day it was a beautiful sunny day in the cornfield the sky was clear there was no wind at all and all of a sudden that afternoon as he was taking a nap He heard this awful noise. I wonder what that was. I think you know. Everybody has a day of reckoning. Okay? And today, as we look at Revelation 18, we're going to see that the world as we know it has a day of reckoning. And as we examine Revelation 18, we hear four different voices. The first voice we hear is, is a voice of condemnation. Look, if you will, in verse 1 of Revelation 18. John writes, After this, I saw another angel with great authority coming down from heaven, and the earth was illuminated by his splendor. He called out in a mighty voice, It has fallen. Babylon the great has fallen. She has become a home for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, and a haunt for every unclean and despicable beast. For all the nations have drunk the wine of her sexual immorality, which brings wrath. The kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have grown wealthy from her sensuality and excess. Um, just to remind you, um, 
we we do. I've, I've done. It, I've, I've taught this the way I've taught it because it's hard to to get too big a chunk. And so usually a chapter like tonight, going through a whole chapter of Revelation, that's a lot to to absorb. Uh, if we'd had the time, we would have done chapters 17 and 18 together because they really do go together. Now he mentions that Babylon the Great has fallen. Now let's. That's what this is about tonight, the fall of Babylon. But let's think about it. Already in Revelation, we've heard Babylon the Great. When did we hear it? Well, if you go back to chapter 14, I'll remind you. In Revelation uh, chapter 14, there in uh, verse 8, in the middle of that chapter, there was uh, three angels that made proclamations. And the second angel in Revelation 14 verse 8 said, It is fallen. Babylon the great has fallen. She made all the nations drink the wine of her sexual immorality, which brings wrath. And so it is, it is brought up, it is mentioned, it is announced in chapter 14. And then in chapter 16, if you'll look in chapter 16, uh, after you got the seven bowls, when the seventh bowl is poured out in Revelation 16, look at verse 19, it says the great city split into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. Babylon the Great was remembered in God's presence. He gave her the cup filled with the wine of his fierce anger. And so, you know, Babylon the Great is introduced, announced in chapter 14. And then here in Revelation 16, when the seventh of the seven bowls is poured out, um, God remembers Babylon the Great and judges her with his wrath. And now, in chapter 18, we get this fuller, more detailed picture, if you will, of what that was like. So, just, just so you know there. And that's kind of that's typical. Uh, when, we, when we get toward the end of, of Revelation and look back, we will see patterns of how maybe he brought something up, and then he expanded and then he really got detailed with it this is one of those occurrences so babylon's fall is announced as if it's already happened and that uh that's intentional because he wants us to know for certain it will happen okay it has fallen babylon the great has fallen um when you think about babylon historically um a great city in the old testament times and uh, known for its idolatry and immorality. And uh, really, Babylon is a type uh, of the ungodliness in, in every generation throughout the age. Uh, I'm reminded of a couple of Old Testament prophets that mention Babylon, and they are agreeing with what John is saying here. In Isaiah 21, verse 9, the prophet Isaiah said, Look, riders come, horsemen in pairs, and he answered, saying, Babylon has fallen, has fallen. All the images of her gods have been shattered on the ground. So there, there's Isaiah in the Old Testament saying, Babylon has fallen, has fallen. Uh, Jeremiah did it too. In Jeremiah 51, verse 37, he said, Babylon will become a heap of rubble, a jackal's den, a desolation, an object of scorn without uh, inhabitant. In other words, nobody will ever live there again. And you're going to see that as we go through Revelation 18. Uh, one commentator said, the certainty of judgment is underlined further by narrating the consequences of the destruction in the past tense as if it's already happened. 
the prophecy and fulfillment of historical Babylon's past fall is viewed as a historical pattern pointing forward to the fall of a much larger Babylon. So uh, I believe in, in these last days there will be you know, a, a Babylon that fits this profile. I believe Rome fit the profile in the days of, of John. I think it's present in every age. And notice it says here, it, is, it has fallen. Babylon the Great has fallen. She's become a home for demons, a haunt for unclean spirits, and an unclean bird, every unclean bird, and a haunt for every unclean and despicable beast. And notice he says, for all the nations have drunk the wine of her sexual immorality, which brings wrath. Now, it's interesting that he mentions sexual immorality. If you back up from Revelation 18, and if you look at the book as a whole unit, as a picture, you will know that last week when we was in uh, Revelation 17, that we were given a, a vision of a woman and a beast, and the woman was a harlot, and ultimately she is destroyed. And then when we get to uh, Revelation 19, he will make an announcement about a bride, okay, the bride of the Lamb. And then when you get to Revelation 21, he will expand on that and give you more detail about the bride of the Lamb. And so really as uh, Revelation uh, comes to an end and, and, and comes to a climax, you have the world that's portrayed as a harlot. They're unfaithful to God. And you have God's people who are portrayed as a bride who are faithful to God. And, you know, there's two, two distinctions there, two destinations there. And uh, that is the context of this. So he says in verse 3, All the nations have drunk the wine of her immorality, which brings wrath. To drink here refers to their willingness to commit idolatry in order to maintain security. Uh, and that's how intoxicating it is. And uh, that's certainly true when you think about uh, the worldliness that we see today, how people love the world more than they love God. I love, I love what Warren Wiersbe said. He says, The world system satisfies the desires of those who follow the beast and reject the lamb. But worldly things never permanently satisfy or last. The love of pleasure and possessions is but a form of idolatry that's demonic in origin and destructive in outcome. And that's so true. And so as we continue to examine Revelation 18 here, the first voice is one of condemnation or judgment. Babylon, the great, has fallen, has fallen. The second voice we hear is a voice of separation, and that is for you and me. There in verse 4, John says, And then I heard another voice from heaven. Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins or receive any of her plagues. For her sins are piled up to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. Pay her back the way she also paid, and double it according to her works. In the cup in which she mixed, mix a double portion for her. As much as she glorified herself and indulged her sensual and excessive ways, give her that much torment and grief. For she says in her heart, and he's talking about Babylon the Great, for she says in her heart, I sit as a queen, I am not a widow, and I will never see grief. For this reason, her plagues will come in just one 
day, death and grief and famine. She will be burned up with fire because the Lord God who judges her is mighty. Here we are given the command to leave Babylon, to come out of her, my people. Uh, God is giving a word to his people to come out of Babylon. And to depart from Babylon means to uh, not have fellowship with her sins, don't be ensnared by her uh, temptations. And those who set their heart on the world, then they receive the plagues as well. Uh, Don't ever think that God has forgotten Babylon's sins. It says here in verse 5, For her sins are piled up to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. Okay? Um, In the day when Babylon falls, it'll be evident that he has certainly remembered. That's what uh, Judgment Day is all about. Everything that we see wrong in the world today, and we go, why is that happening? Why doesn't God do something? When the time comes, when that day of a when that appointed day arrives, guess what? He he will do something. I can assure you of that. Uh, again, I want to go back to some Old Testament prophets, just to show you how deep and rich um, this this is. In Isaiah forty eight verse twenty, uh, Isaiah said, "Leave Babylon, flee from the Chaldeans, declare with a shout of joy, proclaim this, let it go out to the end of the earth." Announced the Lord has redeemed his servant Jacob. And that was the Old Testament uh, with the historical Babylon. Uh, and then in Zechariah, Zechariah's day, chapter 2, verse 7, he said, Listen, Zion, escape you who are living with daughter Babylon. And again, Babylon uh, is symbolic and representative of the, world, the worldliness in this evil fallen world, in this age in which we live. And we've, we're called to be separate okay we're called to be the light of the world to stand out not to blend in Um, worldliness is a theme repeated throughout the bible and the temptation is very subtle and we see it all the time in our own experience and so we have to be vigilant and watchful and understanding that we are in a spiritual battle and we need to be aware of the devil's schemes here we have a call to separation from the world I think of this passage in 2 Corinthians. Um, In Paul's second letter to the church at Corinth, in 2 Corinthians 6, here's what he said. He said, What agreement does the temple of God have with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will dwell and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch any unclean thing, and I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you will be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. And then in 2 Corinthians 7 1, he says, So then, dear friends, since we have these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from ever impurity of the flesh and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. And so God is calling us to separation. We are in the world, but we are not of the world, okay? You know, we don't have to be monks. We're going to be in the world, but the thing is we don't need the world in us. There's a big difference there. And so we are called to to be separate and to live holy, upright, and godly lives. Notice the um, pride of Babylon there in verse 7. He points to it. 
as much as she glorified herself and indulged her sensual excessive ways, give her that much torment and grief. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen, I am not a widow, and I will never see grief. Um, it's interesting, <laughs> uh, again, to compare this Babylon, which is a type, to the historical Babylon. Jeremiah spoke against the historical Babylon in his day, and, and or not Jeremiah, Jeremiah did, but in this case, Isaiah. In Isaiah 47, listen to what Isaiah the prophet said. He said, so now hear this, lover of luxury, who sits securely, who says to herself, I am, and there is no one else. I will never be a widow or know the loss of children. Sounds very similar, doesn't it, to what Babylon the Great is saying in Revelation. These two things will happen to you suddenly, in one day, the loss of children and widowhood. They will happen to you in their entirety, in spite of your many sorceries and the potency of your spells. You were secure in your wickedness. You said, no one sees me. Your wisdom and knowledge led you astray. You said to yourself, I am and there is no one else. But disaster will happen to you. You will not know how to avert it. And it will fall on you, but you will be unable to ward it off. Devastation will happen to you suddenly and unexpectedly. That's God's word then. That's God's word now to anyone who doesn't know God that says, I don't care. I'm going to do what I want to do. It's not hurting anybody. Nobody sees. There is no God. I, I'm, not, I'm not worried about it. Nothing's going to happen to me. And then, bang, day of reckoning. It happens to everybody. Notice there is sudden judgment. It's mentioned here in Revelation 18. Obviously, Isaiah mentioned it in his uh, book, Isaiah 47 there that I just read. Uh, Warren Wiersbe says, God's people must not delay in separating themselves from this evil system because God's judgment will come suddenly and Babylon will be destroyed in a single day. Oh, how we need to heed that call. When we hear God calling us to come out, to be separate, to be holy, we need to heed and hear His Word. This is the uh, first time of four times in this chapter that you'll see the phrase either one day okay, or one hour. It notes the speed in which this judgment will happen. There in verse 8 says that the, her plagues will come in just one day. Uh, we'll see here in a minute in verse 10, it will say uh, in a single hour. And then in 17 and 19, I believe it says a single hour. And so it's the idea that when God's judgment comes, it's going to come suddenly and it's going to come swiftly. Uh, as we continue to examine Revelation 18, we hear the voice of condemnation and judgment. Babylon has fallen. Babylon the Great has fallen. We hear the voice of separation, come out of her, my people, so you don't share in her sins. And now we hear the voice of lamentation. Look, if you will, in verse 9. The kings of the earth who have committed sexual immorality and shared her sensual and excessive ways will weep and mourn over her when they see the smoke from her burning. They will stand far off in fear of her torment, saying, Woe, woe, the great city Babylon, the mighty city. For in a single hour your judgment has come. Notice that was the kings of the earth there in verse 9. And then a second group in verse 11, the merchants of the earth. 
will weep and mourn over her because no one buys their cargo any longer. Cargo of gold, silver, jewels, and pearls, fine linen, purple, silk, and scarlet, all kinds of fragrant wood products, objects of ivory, objects of expensive wood, brass, iron, and marble, cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, and frankincense, wine, olive oil, fine flour, and grain, cattle and sheep, horses and carriages, and slaves, human lives. The fruit you craved has left you. All your splendor and glamorous things are gone. They will never find them again. The merchants of these things who became rich from her will stand far off in fear of her torment, weeping and mourning, saying, Woe, woe the great city dressed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, jewels and pearls, for in a single hour such fabulous wealth was destroyed. So we've got the kings of the earth, the merchants of the earth, and now a third group here in verse 17. And every shipmaster, seafarer, the sailors, and all who do business by sea stood far off as they watched the smoke from her burning and kept crying out, Who was like the great city? They threw dust on their heads and they kept crying out, weeping and mourning, Woe, woe, the great city, were all those who have ships on the sea became rich from her wealth, for in a single hour she was destroyed rejoice over her heaven and i'll stop there so notice here the lamentation we have just shifted to a funeral dirge for lack of a better way to put it and when this judgment of babylon falls the whole world stands up and takes notice and it highlights three groups of people that notice the kings of the earth, those in authority, verse 9. The merchants of the earth that bought and sold things and made a lot of money because of of Babylon in verse 11. And then, of course, all those that do business by sea in verse 17. And those are the three that cry out in this lamentation when Babylon is judged. And notice that their funeral dirge has three elements. All three groups say, woe, woe. You find it there in uh, verse 19, uh, verse 16, and verse 10. And so a double exclamation of woe, woe. The second thing you see in their dirge is they address Babylon as the great city. Because, well, she was. Woe, woe, great city. And then the third thing you see in their dirge is the reference to sudden judgment. In a single hour, not even a day now, in a single hour, your doom or judgment has come and she was destroyed. And so Revelation illustrates this wide scope of Babylon's work and the meaning of her downfall by picturing the reaction of her friends, kings, merchants, sailors have been seduced to worship the luxury of Babylon. They all admire her. They've all profited from her. But if you notice each of those three groups, if you read it again, they all stand far off. When they see it go down, they stand far off. And they go, whoa, whoa, oh great city, you've been destroyed, you've been doomed in a single hour. Why are they standing far off? Because they're fearful of the same fate, the same destruction. They do not repent. Instead, if you read that again, you'll find that they're mourning the loss of what they had. 
they are longing for the previous prosperity. Kind of reminds you of Lot's wife when she was told to come out of Sodom and Gomorrah, but don't look back. And here you see the kings of the earth, the merchants of the earth, and the sailors of the earth. They're all watching far off because they don't want to be involved in the judgment, but they're longing for the way it was, but it'll never be again. So they're mourning their loss, but they're not repenting. As we continue to examine Revelation 18, we'll look at the fourth voice. We've got a voice of condemnation and judgment that says Babylon is fallen. Babylon the great is fallen. We have the voice of separation. Come out of her, my people, so you don't share in her sins. We have the voice of lamentation. Woe, woe, the great city Babylon, for in a single hour your judgment has come. And now the last voice is the voice of celebration. You might say, that's odd. Well, let's read it and see. In Revelation 18, verse 20, it says, Rejoice over her, heaven, and you saints, apostles, and prophets, because God has pronounced on her the judgment she passed on you. Then a mighty angel picked up a stone like a large millstone, and he threw it into the sea, saying, In this way, Babylon, the great city, will be thrown down violently and never be found again. And I'll read the rest of this in a, in a moment. But in contrast to the lamentation of the kings and the merchants and the sailors, heaven is commanded to rejoice at the fall and the judgment of Babylon. And Wiersbe says it's important that God's people look at events from God's point of view. In fact, we're commanded to rejoice at the overthrow of Babylon because in this judgment, God vindicates his servants who were martyred. Now, let's go back for just a minute. If you go back to Revelation 6, let's connect a couple of dots here. In Revelation 6, verse 9, this is the, remember, remember the seven seals? And we're on the fifth seal in Revelation 6, verse 9. Uh, when, when the Lord, when the Lamb of God opened the fifth seal, John says, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slaughtered because of the word of God and the testimony they had given. And they cried out with a loud voice, Lord, the one who is holy and true, how long until you judge those who live on the earth and avenge our blood? And so they were each given a white robe and they were told to rest a little while longer until the number would be completed of their fellow servants and their brothers and sisters who were going to be killed just as they had been. And so they're crying out, God, how much longer? And he says, hold on. Now let's read the rest of Revelation 18. So this mighty angel picks up this large stone, throws it in the sea. He says, in this way, Babylon, the great city, will be thrown down violently and never be found again. In verse 22, the sound of harpists, musicians, flutists, and trumpeters will never be heard in you again. No craftsman of any trade will ever be found in you again. The sound of a mill will never be heard in you again. The light of a lamp will never shine in you again. And the voice of a groom and bride will never be heard in you again. All this will happen. Why? Because your merchants were the nobility of the earth, because all the nations were deceived by your sorcery, and in her was found the blood of prophets and saints 
and of all those slaughtered on the earth. That's why. Three reasons why she was judged. Because she tried to live life without God, she deceived other nations, and she has blood on her hands from the prophets and the saints and all those slaughtered on the earth. I guess you could put it the way we read it in the New Testament, the love of money truly is the root of all evil. Um, one last thing about this I think that uh, is worthy to note. Wearsby says this, we must not think that this voice of celebration causes... Well, let me say that again, I butchered it. He says, we must not think that this voice of celebration cause us to be glad because sinners are judged. The fact of divine judgment ought to always break our hearts, knowing that, God, that lost sinners are condemned to eternal punishment. The joy in this section centers on God's righteous judgment. The fact that justice will be done and has been done. It's easy for us to discuss these things you know, like this in church or in our homes, but if you and I were with John on the island of Patmos, if we were one of the suffering saints under a, a persecuting emperor uh, like he was, we might have a different perspective. And so we must never have personal revenge. We must rejoice that God is righteous and he's the one that will judge. He's the one that will repay. And so we allow God to be God. Jeremiah has a, um, a word picture that matches what John says here about the finality of Babylon's fall uh, to show how complete and permanent the destruction will be. In Jeremiah 51, uh, verse 61, Jeremiah 51, 61, Jeremiah told Sariah, who I believe was his scribe, he says, when you get to Babylon, see that you read all these words aloud. Say, Lord... You have threatened to cut off this place so that no one will live in it, people or animals. Indeed, it will remain desolate forever. When you have finished reading this scroll, tie a stone to it and throw it into the middle of the Euphrates River because Babylon is on the Euphrates River. And then say in the same way, Babylon will sink and never rise again because of the disaster I am about to bring on her. Wow. Notice as we read these last verses of Revelation 18, the phrase, um, you know, the phrase is, is common here. It comes up a few times that Babylon, the great city, will be thrown down violently and never be found again. Verse 21, that the sound of music will never be heard in you again. Verse 22, that no craftsman of any trade will ever be found in you again. Verse 22, that um, there will never be uh, a sound of a meal heard in you again. Verse 22, that there will never be a light of lamp that shines in you again. Verse 23, that there will never be a voice of a groom and a bride heard in you again. Verse 23, so it's emphatic that it's over. Babylon is judged and... Nothing will ever live there again. Wow. So how do you and I receive this message tonight? It's a reminder that the world, which includes all of us, but the world will have a day of reckoning. 
just like that spider who had it made in that cobweb in an Iowa cornfield. How will you and I respond to the ways of this world? Based on what we've seen and studied so far in Revelation, I think I can say this. We need to remember that the world will do one of two things to believers. The world will either seduce you or the world will persecute you. If you, uh, by God's grace, say no, 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 and you're not seduced by the world, then you will be persecuted by the world. That's, that's your options. The world will either seduce you or the world will persecute you. The second thing we have to remember when it comes to responding to the ways of the world is we have to respond to God's call. And what was God's call in this passage? He said, come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins. You can go all the way back to the Old Testament. And remember when God told Abraham that he was going to judge the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. You remember that? And it alerted Abraham. It, it disturbed Abraham. Why? Because he had family there. His nephew Lot lived there in Sodom. And so he begins to say, Lord, will you spare the city if there's 50 righteous people? Well, yeah, I will. And he keeps going down, 40, 30, 20. Lord, forgive me, if there's 10 righteous people, will you spare the city? And God said, if there's 10 righteous people, I'll spare it. Well, you know the answer. There wasn't 10 righteous people, including Lot and his wife and his uh, daughters and, and, and stuff. There just wasn't 10 and when it came down to it, it ended up being Lot and his wife and his daughters, only four, that left the city. They heard God's call, come out before it's too late. And then they did. And of course, you know what happened there. Four became three when Jesus says, remember Lot's wife. She was told not to look back. And she looked back and became a pillar of salt. So you and I need to respond to God's call to come out. Now, I'm not talking about literally because, you know, we live on this earth. Where else can we go, right? Uh, but we're talking about being separate from the world, not living the way everybody else does. Hear the call of God, obey His word, follow His will, live a pure and holy life and depend on Him and let your light shine and be a city on a hill. The third thing you and I can do to respond to the ways of the world Remember what the world does. It'll seduce you or persecute you. Respond to God's call to come out and be separate and be holy. And number three, rejoice when God vindicates His servants and execute His judgment. I mean, go, go back again. Uh, we are reminded here of what we're told to do. He commands them to rejoice. And um, that's certainly what they do. Um to rejoice because God is going to judge the world. Rejoice over her. Verse 20, Rejoice over her, heaven, and you saints, apostles, and prophets, because God has pronounced on her the judgment she passed on you. And if you read the, the next 10 verses of Revelation 19, which we'll look at next week, there is a celebration in heaven. Why? Because he just told them in verse 20, chapter 18, rejoice over her heaven. And then immediately there in chapter 19, the first 10 verses, there's a celebration in heaven uh, over the fact that God 
is going to judge the world. He's going to reign in righteousness. And I'm getting ahead of myself, but that's, that's something to look forward to. So let's wrap this up. Let's sum it up. Let's boil it down to two things. Imagine you're a, a fork in the road and you see a sign. Here's what it might say. On one hand are those who cry, Woe! Woe! Because they have been condemned along with Babylon the Great. On the other hand are those who cry, Hallelujah! Because in chapter 19, the first verse, after this I heard something like the loud voice of a vast multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah! Salvation, glory, and power belong to our God. And so uh, the multitude of people in heaven, after the heaven is commanded to rejoice because look what God has done, they cry out, Hallelujah! And so imagine you're at a fork in the road and the sign says on one hand there are those who cry, Woe! Woe, O great city! And then on the other hand are those who cry out, Hallelujah! Why? Because those who have been martyred have been avenged at last. The choice that you and I make right now will, will determine what we cry out on that day. Will we cry out, Woe, Woe, or will we cry out, Hallelujah? Because that is the option that you and I have. Are we a citizen of Babylon or a citizen of heaven? Paul the Apostle told the church in Philippi, I have often told you and now I say again with tears that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. They are focused on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly wait for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. And at the end of the book of Hebrews, the author says we do not have an enduring city here. Instead, we seek the one to come. The new Jerusalem, which is the bride. But I'm getting ahead of myself. You'll have to wait a few weeks for that. So, the bottom line tonight. Are you a citizen of Babylon? Or are you a citizen of heaven? And it's my prayer today that you know the Lord Jesus Christ so that, that when that day comes, that appointed time of Judgment Day comes, instead of crying out, Woe, you'll cry out, Hallelujah. Our God is here, and He rules, and He reigns. Amen? Well, let's pray. Father, we come before You tonight. Thank You, Lord, for this time in Your Word. And Lord, I pray that You will capture our mind, our uh, imaginations, and our affections of our heart. Lord, that we might long for Your return. Lord, come, Lord Jesus. We long for the day when we look up and see you in the sky. And Lord, you will come and you will judge and you will rule and you will reign in righteousness. Lord, thank you for that hope that we have in you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact the pastor, please visit phbcsummerset.com.